T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This is NFL Nuts Sunday with Ryan Hannibal, the ultimate football podcast. Let's get started with NFL Nuts Sunday. Now here's Ryan Hannibal. It's week 13 in the NFL season and another edition of the Not Sunday podcast. We haven't done one of these in a couple of weeks, so I thought it'd be a nice chance to give us a chance to take a step back and look at the Patriots and, and where they stand right now. Obviously, the biggest change for the Patriots is they now have Rob Gronkowski in the mix as after he missed three out of four games, he returned last Sunday against the Jets. And I think, you know, just watching the, the game back, Rob Markelsey certainly did not look like the player that we saw him last year or, you know, maybe even the first week this year. He was still a little nimble, wasn't really moving the same way. But to, to that same point, who really thought that Rob Markelsey was going to be able to return and be 100% and be the same player that we saw a year ago? That, that just wasn't possible. I mean, he's dealing with some back injuries, an ankle injury. There's a lot going on there, and it's really hard to ask him to you know just miss you know 27 days worth of action and then come back 100%. That just wasn't going to happen. But I will say there were a lot of positives in that game that the Patriots and Gronkowski specifically can build on. I think that he did a really good job in the running game blocking for Sonny Michelle. Sonny Michelle had a career high, 135 yards rushing. I think a lot of that could be credited to Gronkowski with, with his blocks and setting Michelle free for a couple of big plays. And then also, I think the Patriots made more of a considered effort to get him the ball in the red zone. Um, they, they didn't get the results that they wanted, but just the, the the fact they were going to them showed confidence in Gronkowski. I think we could see a little bit of tweaks here and there moving forward. Perhaps maybe they go away from those fade routes to Gronk. Maybe they move him more inside and, and try to have him work the middle of the field. But just the fact that they had Gronkowski back was a, a big positive for the offense. Just his presence on the field spread things out for the opposing defense and, and opened things up for players like Chris Hogan, Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman. Just his presence on the field does, you know, a wonders for the offense and gives Tom Brady the ability to sort of spread the ball out more than when they didn't have Rob Gronkowski because defenses were focused on, you know, one specific player and now they have more to think about with Gronkowski on board. And I, I just think moving forward that they can build on this game. I don't think, you know, we're not going to see Rob Gronkowski of old this year. I think that's just not going to happen. But the fact that you have him back just, just helps with the entire offense. And I think moving forward, not only do you have Rob Gronkowski back, but this week you're going to get Rex Burkhead back. So really for the first time all season, this unit is going to be close to full strength. And it's the perfect time of year. There's five games left, and it gives the chance the, the offense the chance to you know get things going, find a rhythm, find out with what find out what works with, with this mix of players, and that puts them in a good position for the postseason. 
So, without further ado, we're going to get to this week's guest on the podcast, ESPN's Field Yates. He's a recurring guest. He was on last year. He's great. Obviously, he knows the Patriots well, having covered the team for ESPN before he went to Bristol and covered them, you know, covered the fantasy stuff and, and the national stuff. So, Field was a great guest. He brought a lot of great information about the team and, you know, the way that things look the rest of the season, how they stack up to the rest of the AFC. So, without further ado, here's Field Yates. Field, what's your biggest take? watching the one game from Rob Gronkowski do you think obviously I think anybody that's you know watched Gronk play over the years could tell that he wasn't 100% against the Jets but I think they can still you know get by with him with what he is what's your take on Gronk the rest of the year and his usage well I think he looked as as nimble and, and mobile and encouraged as I've seen from Gronk in quite some time the latter part might be the most important and I know that you know my colleague and the uh, incomparable Mike Reitz wrote about just the power of, you know, sort of the power of positivity, Gronk, and how much that means. He's, he can be a heartbeat player for this roster. Uh, but it seemed like a, a guy who uh, was in a much better spot. And I know how frustrating it must have been for Rob Gronkowski himself and certainly those who play fantasy football to not have him in their lineup for whatever it was, three games prior to the bye. But Gronk at full capacity or close to it in December and, 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 and January, should the Patriots make it that far, which I think we all believe they will, uh, that's important, and that's really what matters. Um, and Gronk still, even if he's not 100%, whether he's 85 or 80%, is one of the most unique players in the NFL, and three red zone targets in Week 12 was a really positive sign for Gronk, so I think that the arrow is not just like trending upwards, I think it's, it, it, it's, it's spiking north. If that's possible. Mm-hmm. And then, as you mentioned before, just the whole offense seems to be getting full strength for the first time this season. They didn't have Edelman for the first four weeks. They didn't have Josh Gordon until you know week four. They didn't have Stone Michelle for a couple weeks. But now they're getting all those guys back, plus Rex Burkhead. Are we seeing the best Patriots offense at the right time? Yeah, I think that what you just said might be important here. And you know, no team is going to be without injuries all season, right? The Patriots have certainly dealt with their share of injuries on both sides of the ball, whether it's guys on defense that you were counting on to be potential starters or guys that were starters. Eric Rowe at one point was a starting cornerback for the Patriots. Obviously, Isaiah Wynn was a big-time projected starter for them uh, along the offensive line somewhere. And then, you know, Jawan Bentley, who had kind of emerged as the stud of that rookie class before Sonny Michel really got going on injured reserve as well. But the good news for the Patriots' offense is that you know, if you were to put the 20 most talented guys up on the board, they might have 17 or 18 of them right now going forward. And, you know, I know that there's a, for obvious reasons, we tend to look at it as like, who is the wide receiver depth? Who is the tight end depth? Who is the running back depth? But I, I, I personally tend to evaluate teams offensively in, in, in aggregate skill guys. And the Patriots have unique weapons at all three spots, and I think that blended together, they have the chance to be one of the more difficult offenses to dis- to, dis- to defend uh, in December and January. Again, the winning time of the year. Mm-hmm. What have you seen from the quarterback, Tom Brady? I mean, obviously, he's not he's probably not going to be the MVP of the league this year like we saw last year, and some people around here you know, saying that he, he's slipped a little bit. What do you see him compared to some other guys around the league? Where do you see him ranked, I guess, so to speak, with, with other quarterbacks in the NFL? You know, one thing that I think is really interesting to note, and I want to give a hat tip to my colleague at ESPN, Mike Clay, is that if you look at the Patriots, in a lot of ways their offense is not super dissimilar production-wise. 
this year compared to where it was last year. Mm -hmm. It's just that a couple of things. One, the rest of the league is on fire, right? I mean, last year we weren't talking about in the same light you know, the, the Chiefs, they were very good last year offensively, but they weren't this good offensively. We weren't talking about the Rams at this caliber. They were awesome, but they weren't quite this. I mean, they're even better this year. The Saints are red hot this year. There are teams that have become unbelievable offensively, so it's almost like Tom Brady may not have slipped. It just could be that other people around them have played so well that we have a different perception of where Tom Brady is. i just say this is uh, some of the turnover numbers are uncharacteristic from Tom Brady but they've been much better over the past four to five games. And as we know, a lot of those interceptions early on in the year were bad luck from Brady. I mean, a couple of tip passes, if not more than that, that sort of skew that interception number for Brady. Has it been perfect? No. Is it going to win the MVP? No. Is he even in the conversation? No. But Tom Brady is, you know, I'd still take Tom Brady on my side any given Sunday. That would be the guy that I would be choosing to play under center if I had my druthers. So the Patriots are in good shape. I'm not trying to say that everything is just peaches and cream here, Ryan. There's no concerns whatsoever for the Patriots. But I do think it's worth sort of suppressing um, some of the, the notion that, like, this team is underperforming, not meeting expectations, or has no chance. They've definitely got a chance. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, big picture, looking at the rest of the AFC, obviously the teams that are always there are, are still there again. The Steelers, the Chiefs, and then this year you, you, the, the Texans emerging eight in a row, I think it is. The Colts are hot. What's the team in the AFC that, if you're the Patriots, you don't want to see in the first round? Well, uh, well, in the first round, obviously it probably won't be them because they're so good. But, you know, the Chiefs are the team that everybody does not want to play because they are just they have that much offensive horsepower. You know, I think a team that's probably going to have to play a first-round game that nobody wants to see is the Chargers, right? Yep. I mean, they've got two excellent pass rushers, and Joey Bosa who's finally healthy now, Melvin Ingram as well. They've got excellent cornerback play in Casey Hayward and Desmond King. They've got this unreal safety in Derwin James, the 17th overall pick. Anybody who follows Boston College football might know who Derwin James was because he played at Florida State in the ACC. And then on offense, which you know might be the better side for them, they've got Phillip Rivers, they've got Keenan Allen, they've got a steadier offensive line. Melvin Gordon is now week-to-week with a knee injury, but Austin Eckler, their backup running back, a kid who comes from Western State in Colorado. Most of them may not even know where that is. Division II prospect, he's been awesome for them, and he caught 10 passes last week. I don't know that Austin Eckler is going to be quite Melvin Gordon, but if you were to sort of assign a, a backup running back, he's a pretty good option. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned the Chiefs off the top. Obviously, they're probably you know the best team in the AFC on paper. Do you see a scenario where they might slip up a little bit the rest of the season, where you know the weather might get colder and their offense can't do some of the things that it once did? And then we've seen in the past where you know Andy Reid coached teams sort of slip a little bit down the stretch. Do you see that maybe happening again this year? No more so than any other team is what I would say. You know, like. Any team, in theory, could slip up, right? I mean, the Chargers two weeks ago win, sorry, lose a game to the Broncos that most people thought they would win. The Steelers this past Sunday, they lose a game to the Broncos that, again, most people thought they would win. Uh, the Chiefs have really not lost a game that people expected them to win. I mean, they, I, when I say that, you know, the Patriots and Rams games, like, people expected either outcome, a win or a loss. So the Chiefs have not really had that quote-unquote bad loss on their schedule. Other teams have, including the Patriots, when you look back at that 34-10 to loss of the Tennessee Titans. Um, you know, if, if something is going to happen to the Chiefs that you know concerns you, it's is there going to be a game where their defense can't come up with enough answers and the offense isn't quite as proficient as it has been? But, no, I really feel really confident in the Chiefs going forward. They're well-coached. They have so much talent. 
Uh, you know, they're good on special teams. Uh, and, you know, they have the right mix to be a real factor in January. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think home field advantage for the Patriots is more important than ever? Like, I say that because... I just don't see the Patriots having, I think, you know, I'm not saying they would lose a game in Arrowhead in the AFC Championship, but I think that'd be a really tough task and be a lot easier for them at home. Do you, do you see see that playing out where home field advantage might be the difference for the Patriots in making it to the Super Bowl or not? You know, it's interesting because the home field advantage conversation comes up, you know, around this time every year. And it's a good thing for the Patriots to be discussing because, of course, they are in the mix. But, you know, last year at this time it was, could they go to Pittsburgh and win a game? Uh, in Pittsburgh, and of course that win against the Steelers ended up being one of the reasons why they hosted the playoffs uh, last year, or the entirety of the playoffs, I should say. Um, you know, if, if you get the number two seed, which they are in line, you know, they're, they're at least in the mix for right now, or if you get, you know, the number one seed is amazing, but if you get the number two seed, Ryan, you're still talking about having to win one game on the road in the playoffs, yep. and ultimately, if you're a really, really good team, it, you, got, you, you should be able to do that. And the Patriots will find out. Like, I don't know that home field advantage matters any more this year other than, you know, than previous years. I know all three of their losses have come away from Gillette Stadium. But um, I think it matters. You know, I think playing at home is always a good thing for the Patriots or any team. Uh, but I still believe in the Patriots. It's been a long time since they've had to kind of go through that road. But what we've learned from the Patriots in the past that, like, ultimately the real best teams you know, in one game, they, they can, one game sample sizes, they can win anywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to switch gears a little bit over to the fantasy stuff where, where you do a lot of work for ESPN. Obviously, the league, the regular seasons are coming to an end this week. And, you know, at the end of every year, it seems like the, the data and the stats comes out that if, you know, a team had this player, usually that team won X percentage of the leagues. Who's the players this year that, that you're seeing, you know, if a, if a team has, they're doing a lot of damage in their leagues? You know, it's interesting, Ryan, because a lot of times it's players that are added around this time of year that end up surging down the stretch, or they're players that are handcuffed running backs that take over for an injured starter. Uh, but I would imagine, if I had to guess, and obviously we haven't even reached the playoffs yet on ESPN, but if I had to guess, the highest percentage, uh, the player on the highest percentage of playoff teams will be Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. And not far behind Patrick Mahomes would probably be Todd Gurley. And then other players would probably be Christian McCaffrey, who has been unbelievably steady and, 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 and consistent for the Carolina Panthers this year. Those are three guys, plus Saquon Barkley, amongst like the top-tier players. Uh, really, those, those three running backs were all drafted in the first round. Mahomes would be the ultimate wild card. Uh, because he was not drafted in the first round. And then I got to figure James Conner would also be right up there. So players, it's always a, me- a blend of like superstars who played like superstars, plus guys that people weren't totally sold on, but wound up being tremendous value in the mid to late rounds. Mm-hmm. What Are there any guys out there that, that you can think of that maybe still be available on waiver wires that could be the difference between a championship and not this week? I don't know about guys that'll be the difference between championship or not. Uh, a couple of players that I'm, I'm interested in, though, that have some you know ability are Traquan Smith of the New Orleans Saints. He missed this past week, which actually helps you from a availability standpoint because he wasn't nearly as added this week as you might have expected. You've also got a guy in Lamar Jackson who's dynamic, and he has finished quarterback 13 in each of his first two stars. But if the light switch goes on rather rapidly from him as a thrower and he's healthy enough, he can probably be a really dynamic quarterback ad this week. And then, you know, really the players that we're honing in on in week 13 are handcuffed running backs because buys are now behind us, Ryan. So you don't have to worry about, hey, do I drop Steven Goskowski or not? He's a great kicker. Is it worth dropping him and losing him? 
The answer is you don't have to worry about dropping a second kicker or adding a second kicker, I should say, because you don't have to worry about bye weeks anymore. So think about your handcuff running backs. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to ask you, you know, back back to when you covered the Patriots, you worked extensively with, with Mike Reese, who's, who's one of the nicest guys in the business. What do you remember most about working with Mike and how how much did you enjoy that? Yeah, it really gave me a great perspective, and I, I loved it. Uh, Mike, I wouldn't just say he's one of my you know closest colleagues. He's one of my closest friends in life. We talk daily. I would, I'd imagine uh, you know the only person who gets more real estate in my text messages than Mike is my fiance. So those two are my frequent contacts. But uh, you know, I love about Mike is the attention to detail and the ability to um, be steady. You know, he's not a wave, not a, not a wave that goes up and down. Mike has a unique ability to step back and see the bigger picture when he has to, while also focusing in on the here and now when he has to do that as well. And um, there's, you can tell just how much people trust Mike, and that shows when you walk around the locker room during player availability and Mike is having conversations with players on or off the record. You can tell that there's an inherent trust that is established because he does it the right way, he goes about the business the right way, and you know, and I know you know this too, Ryan, as someone who's young and in this business as well. Mike's investments in those who are behind him in the business, those who are still learning the ropes, is second to none. And he did it for me. He's done it for so many other people. And uh, if I could be, you know, one fraction of the reporter that Mike Reese is, that right there would be a life well lived. He's just the best. He's one of the nicest guys on probably in the league that that covers the NFL for that matter. Have you ever There's seen? No doubt about that. Have you ever seen him mad? Man, I don't think I, I I can't think of too many times I can't think of the time ever that Mike was mad. No, it's so rare. It's so uh, no, I I can't think of anything. You know, I got to imagine there might have been a time where Mike was entered or tried to get Springsteen tickets. Uh, you know, one of those like you know, you know limited release concerts or one of those where you know they announce what time they're going to go public and. Mike was sitting there clicking refresh on the browser, and he didn't quite get the, the, the Bruce tickets because we know Mike loves his Bruce. But uh, I, 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 that would be the closest I could ever imagine Mike to being disgruntled. But no, he's as even-keeled as they come. And like you said, one of the greatest guys in the business that everybody you know could hope to be a fraction of, of what Mike is. Hey, Field, Field thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Everybody can find your work on ESPN, the website, and on TV and on Twitter. You're everywhere these days. Th- thanks so much, Field. Thanks, Ryan. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 